0: that it's somebody else's business. Once you own something and you see the impact on your daily walk, all the things that come into that framework suddenly become something you pay greater attention to. And I want to go to the Scriptures tonight and look at the essence of those two things, the mark-making and the legacy-leaving. So let me, um, let me start by just giving you this kind of strap line, if you will. Making a mark says, I'm here. It is something that you identify with as being in the present moment and leaving an imprint that will remain long after you've gone. But it is essentially, I'm here. You make that mark the moment that you take your first breath in this life, and you're making those marks until you take your last. So it says, I'm here. It also says, I'm here and I did this. And it goes down not as an act of pride, but a recognition that you were meant for something. That you are not an accident. I don't even care if you were born out of wedlock and somebody told you you weren't worth anything. You were meant to be here. It is something that God knew before you were formed in your mother's womb. You have destiny. Destiny is written into who you are. And when you become a child of God, that destiny just emerges like an opening flower into the fullness that is ultimately going to turn into fruit. When we, we have an apple tree that we've, we've only lived in the house we're in now for three years, and we planted an apple tree um, in our other house. We planted a pear tree. We planted a number of other trees, fig trees, and so on, and we brought some of them with us, and we put the pear tree uh, in the ground, and it did nothing for quite a while. It didn't like being moved, but then after a year or so, it started to show flowers, and then we had little tiny buds of the flowers would would disappear and the little uh, pear would show on our first crop we had pears that big They were amazing you couldn't eat them but they were there the second year we had two fully formed pears and this year we had a whole crop suddenly the the plant knew its roots. It was drawing from the ground the nutrients. It was now living in a place that it intended to stay and the, the branches gave forth leaves and the leaves showed forth flowers and the flowers gave up fruit and the fruit matured and we had a bumper crop and you and I are planted by God and this day in your life may only be producing the first leaves or the first small flowers but ultimately God says, why One day you will bear fruit. And that fruit will be sweet. It'll be your purpose. You're not here as an accident. And so Megan and Mark says, I'm here and I did this. Leaving a legacy says, this is what I'm leaving for you to run with further, faster, and better. Inside every fruit... There's more seeds. And you expect to see that multiply again and again and again. So let me take you to Philippians chapter 4, if you want to follow through. Paul writes in Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do. And God, the God of peace, will be with you. I want to just not make a comment on it right now. Come back to that, but I want to give you a, another verse of scripture from one Corinthians chapter three, verses ten through twelve. Paul writes, "According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay." than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We'll kind of knit those things together in a moment. But let me ask you this to think about. If everything you ever did, and everything you ever said, and all the things you ever thought were laid out openly, For everyone to see, would you be proud or ashamed? Now that's not a condemnation. That's not even a commendation for you to think about that. It's simply self-examination. What would it be like if my life was laid bare? Would I be pleased that everyone knew that? Or would I be ashamed? I'm asking that because... In Psalm 139, the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. None of us can go through life without making marks. An absolute impossibility. Nor can we finish the race and not be leave behind any sort of legacy it is not possible to live on this planet fulfill your days and not leave marks and ultimately not leave something behind that others will examine and hopefully want to follow the question is always what type of mark have i left what type of mark am i presently leaving And what's the form of legacy that will be left when I'm gone? I think our life is a walk, and we have to examine that daily. We need to ask these simple things. And you may not practice doing this every day, but it's a good practice to think about from time to time. Will this improve things? What I'm about to consider doing, will it improve things? Secondly, will it be of value when it is done? Will it bless somebody when I've finished with this? And all these things are matters of the heart. Everything is about how conditioned our heart is. And we're told to meditate, to think. That word meditate was stolen in an awful way because the Eastern religions got a hold of it and messed our mind up with it that you, you shouldn't meditate, it's not right. David meditated on the Word day and night. He would lay on his bed and he would think about these things and mull them over and pray and ask the Spirit of God to give him insights to these things. It is meditation, it's just thinking deeply and thoughtfully of what this might be and what it might mean and where it will lead to. What is the impact of this? So meditate on these things. Paul the Apostle, and we're so glad that he was a prolific letter writer, it is uh, the majority of the New Testament, consists of his writings And he undoubtedly made a mark and left a legacy concerning the church. Without a doubt, he's done that. And in the text that we read, first of all, he's writing to the church at Philippi, which is an interesting uh, period in that church's life. He's dealing with a very serious disagreement in the church. There were two ladies in the church, and it's, that's not a sexist statement. It, just, it actually says they were women, so we can't get away from that. But these two ladies in the church were having a right head-to-head barney. They were at each other. They disagreed almost over everything. One would say her part. The other would come against it. They were causing trouble in the church. Everybody was up in arms. Everybody was taking a stance. This person's better than that person. And so on this Argument would grow and get bigger and more complicated. And Paul is writing to the Philippians, and he gets to this point where he says, this is not right. This is not right. It's affecting the gospel. It's a serious disagreement. What we know about these two ladies is, first of all, their names. We don't know a great deal more than that. We don't even know what they argued about. We're never told. Paul never writes down what they argued about. What we do know is that their names are given. Euodia and Syntyche. And they just did not get on. But I looked at their names as I looked at that scripture, and I thought, what a mark. What a dreadful legacy. If your name was going to be in the Bible, wouldn't you want it to be for something good? Wouldn't you want the Bible to record for generations yet to come that you said this, did that, and it did the kingdom of God a great deal? But these two women go down in history through the scriptures, and we only learn that they were at each other hammer and tongs, and disrupting the church, and damaging the gospel. What a terrible legacy. you may find it interesting to know what their names actually mean. Euodia means sweet fragrance. She couldn't even live up to her name. She couldn't practice. Every time somebody called her name, she heard sweet fragrance. Come on in, your dinner's ready. Sweet fragrance. Time to put things away and get to bed. Sweet Fragrance, where are you going? I'm going out. Who's this in the church? Oh, this lady. She's one from the community. Her name is Sweet Fragrance. And she goes down in history, as hammer and tong against this other woman who is called Syntyche, and her name means the fortunate one. <laughs> it might be. So... Sweet fragrance and the fortunate one are hatted hammer and tongs. And Paul says this has got to stop. It's damaging the gospel. I only lay that out because that's their legacy. That's the mark they made. And the legacy. And we're never told, Paul never mentions whether that dispute ever got solved. What we do know is they weren't living up to their reputations by name. And they were hurting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now in our time we find ourselves living in confusing and unsettled times. I think surely it's a season for all God's people to show love the love of Christ which is something the world so desperately still needs to talk better than the world talks to walk better than the world walks to act better than the world acts the world is not our model the ways of the world is not the model that we as God's people are called to fashion ourselves against. You don't mark yourself against the standards of the world. Well, everybody else is doing this. Everybody else is saying that. Everybody else is putting that mark down in the world. I want to put my mark down. But the best mark you can ever make is to live and walk and breathe and think and pray better than the world. And to do it the way of the Lord. In the church... Harmony and commitment. In the world, kindness and compassion. With our words, faith and hope and healing. And with our actions, kindness, reconciliation and restitution. It's the legacy of the church that Jesus has given to us to leave an appropriate, reflected legacy when we have run our course. Did my life reflect Christ? Did the mark that I made be the mark of heaven? It's the question you've got to ask your own heart and nobody else can answer that for you. Um, The marks we make never wash away. Short of Asking for redemptive forgiveness, repentance, can seal a change in us. But you know, if we damage something or someone, we may never be able to put that right. But if we bless someone, we share in that blessing. And it is a good check of the heart. The legacy that we leave will set the state of our hearts. I'm I'm not boasting now, but I'm I'm a reasonable cook. (laughs) I can knock a few meals up. I I enjoyed that. It wasn't always the case. Um, When we got married, uh, Linda was a nurse and I was a photographer And um, we had this little flat in Cardiff, and Linda was on night duty, and I was left to cook uh, an evening meal for myself. And one evening, I had this revelation of an idea. You could boil an egg. I wonder if you could fry one in its shell. Now, I, was, I would like to think that I was a fairly intelligent person until all on my own this evening in the flat, I put the chip fat fryer on and thought, this will be an interesting experiment. What will it look like if I fry it in its shell? And into the bubbling fat, I dropped the egg. With an almighty explosion, egg cooked in a second and blew itself all over the kitchen ceiling. All over the kitchen walls, spots of fat and oil and egg everywhere. We hadn't been in the flat that long, and I had just painted it. I painted it a very pale blue. Now, I'm looking at it in absolute horror and amazement that, number one, my experiment didn't work, and number two, how will I ever get this right before Linda comes home in the morning, and I scrubbed it, and I washed it, and it wouldn't go away, and all that was coming off was the paint, and and there was grease everywhere, and and by the time I'd mopped up the egg bits, everything else was spatters of fat. I went to bed. Dawn came. The door opened. I heard Linda coming in. I got up. I said, oh, how's your shift been? Oh, we've had a busy time. It's been a hectic night. Don't worry. I said, you go in. Uh, no, don't go in the kitchen. I'll make, <laughs> I'll make you breakfast. Don't. She said, it's all right. I'm awake. I'll do, uh, no, don't you rest. I'll do that. Don't go in the kitchen. She said, oh, all right. I am a bit tired. I said, I'll bring you a cup of coffee now. And and uh, she went to sleep. And I thought, maybe she won't notice. <laughs> so Linda slept through the day, and I came home, and she didn't say anything. And I thought, Either it's cleaned itself up, or she hasn't seen it yet. So I waited, and she never said anything. She never said anything the next day, or the day after. And I thought, I'm going to get away with this. (laughs) Unbeknownst to me, Linda is thinking, how in the world did I do this? not me, her. She's now thinking, I don't, how did I do, how did I make this? Oh, she thought, oh, he's going to be so angry when he sees what I've done. (laughs) About a week or so went by, and nothing was said about it. I never mentioned it. Linda never mentioned it. It was the, it was the thing that we didn't talk about. And two friends came to see us for an evening, and They were in the kitchen, Linda and our friend's wife, and her her husband and I were in the living room talking. And uh, I said to him, uh, I feel really awful. He he said, what's the matter? I said, I kept a secret from Linda. He looked at me, and he said, what have you done? (laughs) I said, I cooked an egg. (laughs) He said, is that such a terrible thing? I said well actually I cooked it in oil he said it's called a fried egg I said no I put it in the shell he said you're an idiot (laughs) I said it's all over the kitchen she hasn't said a word she hasn't mentioned it and Linda is in the kitchen I'll cut the story short by saying we resolved the tension of the egg splattering and all remained well And we're still married, 47 years this year, coming up. Um, So I set myself, A, to number one, always confess if you've done something wrong, and put it right. Don't leave a stain where a confession can put a healing. Secondly, I determined I would teach myself to cook. And that opens up my first statement. I think I'm a reasonably good cook. However, I can cook just about anything now. But even now, 47 years later, within the last six months, Linda said to me, did you mean to put tomato sauce on the ceiling? How did you get tomato ketchup in the dining room? And I had no idea other than I'm a messy cook. I'll use every utensil, every pot and pan, but the results are good. What happens to the rest? None of my business. I have a very loving and forgiving wife, and we've lived happily ever after, no matter what. But whatever you, when you do something, you leave a mark. If it's a good mark, display it. If it's not, fess up, deal with it, Take the hit, put it right. But marks we will make. Aspire to be better. I preached last Sunday morning at our Daulais Ilim Church. Um, Sitting in the congregation was Philip's father, Pastor Lyndon Jones. And I mentioned when I was there that back in 1976 when I was appointed out of Bible College to the Elim Church in Broadstairs in Kent, that I was inducted and commissioned to my first pastorate by Pastor Lyndon Jones. He was the district superintendent, and he was there to officiate my appointment, commit me to the church, pray over Linda and I. When I became a Christian, I sat under the ministry of Pastor Brewster in Cardiff. And cut my teeth and learned how and how not to. When I wanted to be baptized in the Spirit, one of the elders in the church, Ted Morgan, said, if you want to be baptized in the Spirit, there's not a problem. Laid hands on me, prayed, and I received that baptism. The names of people who have affected and left a mark and a legacy in my life are too many to list. But when I think of those marks and I think of those legacies, I aspire to do better. When I think I'm not making the mark, I aspire to do better and seek the face of God on it. Only recently I found out something that truly humbled me. I was asked to speak at the Elam Church in Southie Green in Sheffield. They were marking their 40th anniversary. I led that church for seven years. The pastor there now is an amazing young woman called Sally Wilson. Sally came into the church. She gave a testimony while we were there. She came into the church and in not too pleasant a state. In her own words... She was out of it. She had a very troubled background, very painful family background, very distressing background. She was a a, a wreck of a girl, and she came staggering into church. Her testimony went like this, and I, I had not heard this in all the years since. She said, If Graham had said on the Sunday morning that I sat at the back of the church, if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning, Put your hand up. She said I'd have walked out. But she said what he said was, if you need Jesus now, he will receive you. And she said for the first time, somebody wanted me. And she got saved that morning. And she grew. And she developed. And I'm sitting there on the front row of the church for its 40th anniversary I was the first full-time pastor of the church which was birthed out of the Sheffield Central Church. Sally had walked through the door a wreck of a girl and she's telling the congregation how she came to know the Lord and I'm listening to it for the very first time and I looked at her and I remembered this girl with all her brokenness is now the pastor Of the church and I thank God for that legacy I thank God for the experience to leave that behind you can't avoid leaving marks you can't avoid leaving a legacy the question is always what where and how you'll know these words but i want to remind you of the legacy that jesus left us so it's got to be salvation that's the gift he gave us it's the gift of salvation he gave a legacy some you, you can only leave what you've got you can't leave somebody else's legacy. You don't have the right to do that. You leave what you have to give. And listen to what, these familiar words, but this is Jesus' legacy to you and me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be afraid. He is the Prince of Peace. And his legacy to you and me, the mark that's pressed into your very soul is the peace of God that passes all understanding. He said, my peace I give to you. He said something very significant. He says, I, the peace I give you, my peace, is not like the world's peace. And I, with some interest, did a little bit of digging around in the history books and through scripture and it suddenly dawned on me that Jesus was speaking in his time to a people of the time. They lived under what was known as Pax Romana, Roman peace. It started in 27 BC. And it came to a crashing end at 180 A.D. And Jesus and his disciples are living right there in the middle of that so-called Roman peace. Now, Roman peace went something like this. We will invade you. We will conquer you. We will then govern you. You can have certain governments that we allow. You must never speak against Caesar. You can never have a king. There's only one king. His name is Caesar. You can only do what we, the Romans, permit you to do, but if you do it our way, we'll never hurt you. We'll be there as a garrison for you against any other invaders, but you will do it our way under our rules. And if you do that, we will keep you in peace. If you break that, we will kill you. That was was Roman peace, the Pax Romana. Into that world, Jesus says, and they would be aware of that his hearers. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives. I'm not coming to invade and demand and destroy if you don't do it my way. The peace I give you is the peace that passes all understanding. It's the peace of God. And it sets you free. So whatever you set your heart and mind on to do, do it in such a way that honors Christ and that it live and last beyond your lifetime. Something that has made a mark and leaves a legacy for those who follow. I'm gonna conclude with, the the readings won't come up on the screen because I just want you to listen to them. Um, They're from part, part of Joshua chapter three and Joshua chapter 4, and I've just taken the salient points. So from Joshua 3, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was, after three days, that the officers went through the camp They commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. And so they took up the ark of the covenant and went out before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day will begin to ex- I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. And they will know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. The legacy of leadership has passed from Moses to Joshua by the word of God. Later on in chapter 4, it says, Then Joshua called the twelve men from whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, One man for every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan. And each one take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean? Then you shall answer them. That the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it, crossed o- when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And the stone shall be for a memorial to our children of Israel forever. There are times, church, when you and I must take up the stones of our experience, our testimony, our witness our walk, our moments of faith and failure and give glory to God that in the failures, He has recompensed. In the successes, He has received His due honor. And we stack up the stones so those who come after us will say, what are they for? And you'll say, because God showed us a way. And the Spirit of God says, this is the way. Walk in it. And I pray that in your life and my life and the experiences that we have as we walk with the Lord humbly, that when we leave our mark and we leave our legacies at the end of the day, someone may say, they knew the Lord. They carried the banner, they lifted him high. They have been faithful servants, marks and legacies, where you've been, what you did, and who you honored when you did it. Can we just pray a moment? Heavenly Father, thank you for the honor of walking as a living testimony to the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for ever illuminating truth to our heart and helping us to understand Thank you so much for all the gifts that you have granted to us. But Lord, thank you that you wanted us to be conduits of that grace in telling others this is the way, this is how you do it, this is who you turn to. And I thank you, Lord, that each and every one of us, it's never too late to start making a mark for the kingdom And a legacy from the king in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Bless you.